Hour 2 of the morning after on Sports Grid. It is our Hour of Chaos. It is Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. It's the Hour of Chaos because we're going to talk about pretty much every sport that's underway currently. We're going to go Major League Baseball, college football, NFL. We've got a couple of great guests this hour, too. First, the New Orleans Saints reporter Aaron Summers to talk about the NFC South. And later on, we're going to talk college football with Sports Grid's own Mark Zinno. He's got some sides and leans, especially when it comes to the SEC. Because we don't really have a lot of time on Football Fridays, we're going to talk about Major League Baseball right now. And Ben, I've got a few early leans of the day. And first, I'm going to start with the Baltimore Orioles are starting their starter, Keegan Aiken. And now we didn't have numbers mm. on this, so I just want to point out to everybody, you got to just fade Keegan Aiken, whether it's taking the over on the Boston Red Sox total runs. So since those lines aren't up, I'm just mentioning it. But the play that I like today is probably the most on the Atlanta Braves and San Francisco Giants game. The Giants are home favorites up against the Braves. Now, San Francisco has the fourth highest home OPS in the last 30 days. San Francisco also just saw the starter for the Braves, Ian Anderson. Anderson did shut them out 9-0, but this game was back on August 29th. I like the pitchers in a second opportunity against certain teams. Or excuse me, I like the bats for San Francisco in a second opportunity against the pitcher. And then the, the starting pitcher, Logan Webb, for the Giants. The reason I like the under on the Atlanta Braves team total today is because the Giants starter, Logan Webb, ever since the All-Star break, when he's been starting at home, teams are averaging a team total of one and a half runs per game. I'm going under for the three and a half runs on the Atlanta Braves team total today, Ben. One of those weekend series in the National League, Ariel, that is very, very important. The San Francisco Giants with a one-game lead in the NL West over the leaders of the NL East in the Atlanta Braves. Could we see some more flips if the Giants take care of business this weekend and then ask John Sheeran about the National League West divisional odds on Monday morning? That would be a ton of fun. I'm sure John would want to start off his week that way. So many impactful series in the National League. Another one in St. Louis, the Cardinals hosting the Padres. Padres, just a half game separates those two teams for the second and final National League wildcard spot. The Cincinnati Reds are one game back of that National League wildcard spot, the second and final of that, and they are hosting the Los Angeles Dodgers. And tonight, Walker Buehler is on the bump for the Dodgers against the Reds. I looked at this as a very interesting game in terms of the K prop for Walker Buehler. And honestly, as I'm being transparent with you all right now, I'm not exactly sure if I want to take the over or the under. So we're going to side live on air as we talk this out and maybe get the prop queen's thoughts about it as well. Because against the Cincinnati Reds tonight, Walker Buehler's K prop is at six and a half. The under has a little bit more juice at minus 122. The over is minus 106. Now the Reds have the 17th highest or I guess the 13th lowest K rate against right-handers all year long in Major League Baseball at only 23.2%. It's up slightly since the All-Star break at 23.8%, the 11th highest K rate against righties in that time frame. But in the last two weeks, it has come down. One of the lowest K rates in all of Major League Baseball against righties at less than 20%. Now, the number of six and a half is interesting for Walker Buehler because he has gone under that number in three straight starts, but in four straight starts before this three-start stretch, he had gone over that number of six and a half. So against the Reds, as I'm talking this out, Walker Buehler K-Prop tonight under minus 122. That's what I'm going to do, Ariel. What do you think? I don't have an opinion. I don't like inconsistency. Okay, 
I don't have an opinion. I'm not going to give it out. Welcome to our Sports Grid Radio audience. Second hour here on the morning after. Sirius XM, Channel 204, the Mightier 1090 on the West Coast. With Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. Ben's team is the Dodgers, so I don't like to fade people who are betting on their team in some capacity, yeah. whether it's overs or unders. I'm staying away. However, one other place that I'm looking today, there's one team that's been consistent the Toronto Blue Jays. The Blue Jays are at home against the Minnesota Twins. The Blue Jays in the last 30 days have the fifth worst, or excuse me, not worst, the best OPS at home in the last 30 days. And Toronto uh, facing a bad bullpen. Minnesota has had the fifth worst bullpen ERA in the last month, 5.14. As for the Blue Jays, their team total is five and a half. I saw this number at five early this morning when I started writing this up. Then I saw it switch to five and a half. I said, oh, I love the five so much better, of course, because you could push. Anyway, seven of the last ten home games for the Blue Jays, they have scored over this number of five-and-a-half runs. Give me the Toronto team total over five-and-a-half runs against the Minnesota Twins to the event. And the Twins play a ton of overs, one of the highest over percentages in all of Major League Baseball. The Blue Jays, who have won 17 of their last 20 games, are red hot right now. I would not want to fade that offense. I would certainly want to tail that offense, one of the best two offenses in all of Major League Baseball all year long and still since the All-Star break as well. Also, Ariel, Corey Kluber revenge night at Yankee Stadium against the Cleveland Indians. What is the K-prop? What is the K-prop on old Corey Kluber Oh my God, this is the weirdest thing. Okay, I told you this before the show. I was watching this K-prop because I saw Corey Kluber revenge game. How can we bet this against the Indians? I looked at his K-prop of a six and a half. Felt too high. As I'm staring at it, it goes to seven and a half. This man hasn't had over seven and a half strikeouts since the All-Star break. And he's up against an Indians team that, granted, they have the 10th highest K-rate currently in baseball, but they were not in the top 10 all year for high K-rates. This number is so high, and of course, that's why Fandel juiced it to nearly minus 200. Ben, I don't know how to bet this game because as much as I want to bet the Yankees in a Corey Kluber revenge game, I can't bet the Yankees. They make me miserable. Minus 198 is the favorites as well. Maybe a player performance double on old Corey Kluber on revenge night. The Yankees need to win a half game back of the AL wildcard at the moment. Coming up next, we are going to talk some NFL. We've got the reporter for the New Orleans Saints, Aaron Summers, joining us. You're listening on Sirius XM Channel 204. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. On the morning after on Sports Grid, it is Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Joining us now, New Orleans Saints reporter Erin Summers. You probably remember we had her on the show a bunch to talk some college sports. However, now she's under the big lights, the prime time with some NFL, and we're going to talk New Orleans Saints. Erin, the crazy part is that you used to be in the Carolinas, and now this mm-hmm. week, your new team, the New Orleans Saints, are going to be on the road in North Carolina facing the Carolina Panthers. First, I want to start off with how the Car- or excuse me, with how the New Orleans Saints have been doing since they haven't really been home since the hurricane. 
it has been a definitely different start to an NFL football season. However, head coach John Payton, he kind of thrives with adversity. He really likes the fact that he was able to get the team all together under one roof there in Fort Worth, keep tabs on them, have them spend a lot of time together. They built a lot of chemistry. We saw how well that worked out against their really big win against Green Bay on Sunday. And he kind of wants to keep it that way. They're back in Fort Worth, and then they're going to head to Carolina here in a, today. And it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of approach this game because there's a lot more adversity that got thrown at the team. COVID issues with the team, lots of injuries. So, again, another layer of adversity for the Saints to deal with. Yeah, Aaron, you mentioned those injuries. A very impressive week one win over the Green Bay Packers, but losing a couple of key members on that defense and then along the offensive line as well as Eric McCoy, the starting center, down for what seems to be a couple of weeks. What's the feel around the team as they enter week number two? Well, so when Eric McCoy went out in that game one game, right guard moved over, Cesar Ruiz, and he actually has had a lot of time working with Winston. They actually did all their reps together last season as the number two. So they have a lot of chemistry. Didn't really skip a beat there in game one. However, the Saints have added another center. They got Ryder, who was most recently with the, the um, Air, sorry, um, Kansas City Chiefs. He's been a free agent, and they've kind of brought him on. Don't know if he's going to slide right into that starting role because he's just getting with the team here yesterday. And we'll probably see a little bit of Ruiz still there at center. So it's going to be some shuffling there on the offensive line, which is going to be a big point of emphasis for this game against the Panthers. The Panthers in week one had six sacks, 10 quarterback hits. Jameis Winston did not get touched in game one against Green Bay. However, his jersey may get dirty this coming Sunday. It was an impressive first performance as a starter for the Saints for Jameis. Five touchdowns, no interceptions. Throughout the last week, how much have you felt that the Saints team has bought in more to Jameis than they did even before the season? It's been incredible. Everybody on the team absolutely loves him, gushes about him all the time. You can see it in practice. People are laughing. He gives people hugs all the time. He's really just a fun guy to be around. And I think that the skepticism that everybody has had around him was with his decision-making, how mature he was. And he really learned a lot behind Drew Brees. And I think that he has evolved so much as a quarterback. He's ready to take on the reins here as the starter. And everybody is on board with him. Everybody has complete confidence in his abilities. Even talking to former Panthers quarterback Jake DeLome earlier this week, he said, I never had a doubt in my mind that he had the ability to succeed. He has that just athletic ability, obviously, can throw a long ball. It's just a little bit of the decision-making that he's had at times, and we didn't see that come into play at all this past Sunday. Jameis Winston, NFL history maker, the only quarterback in NFL history to throw for less than 150 yards while still throwing for five touchdowns. We love Jameis, 2020 vision at all times on the morning after, Aaron. And you talked about Sean Payton embracing the adversity, not just what New Orleans has dealt with so far in this young NFL season, but the transition from the Drew Brees era to the Jameis Winston era for the Saints. And Sean Payton right now is tied for the shortest odds to be the NFL coach of the year on the FanDuel Sportsbook with LA's Brandon Staley at 12 to one. Is this one of the more impressive coaching jobs Sean Payton has done up until this point? I think it's been incredible because Winston really kind of 
did what Sean asked him to do. And he didn't try to do too much. He only had one pass that he threw that was over 20 yards. And that was that deep bomb to Deontay Harris for 55 for the touchdown. He was really good about understanding the play calls and checking, you know, making the right calls on his check downs. He threw some balls away at good times to do that because he knew there was a lot of coverage. So I think that Coach Payton has really worked with him on when you can take a chance and when we want to take a chance and when we have other opportunities to run the ball. You do have people like Kamara that's ready to just bulldoze through people. So make sure you're using your assets the best of your ability and not putting the team into some kind of dicey situations because you're trying to do too much. Now, looking at the NFC South this year, you've got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the reigning Super Bowl champions, the New Orleans Saints, Atlanta Falcons, Carolina Panthers. How much could you see the Saints even just getting into the playoffs by wild card? Talking to people around the league, a lot of people are worried about the Saints because they see what they did in week one against Green Bay, and nobody saw a 35-point win over the Packers coming out of that game. Didn't think that the Saints offense would be clicking like that, but it's mainly the Saints defense that was so impressive. And I think a lot of people are taking notice of that, talking to some of the GMs, people around the league. They're saying that that's somebody that they're circling on their schedule because you you can't really sleep on the Saints. You know, everybody thought it might be a rebuilding year, but it's not looking like that's going to be the case. A top five defense last year in the NFL was New Orleans. And you mentioned that 35-point victory in week number one. Well, for week number two, the Saints just a three-and-a-half-point road favorite on the road in Carolina against the Panthers. Aaron, as you look at that matchup, what's a key area you'll be focusing on for the Saints to have success? Their run defense. I mean, if you have somebody like Christian McCaffrey on the other side, he can do it all. And if you can stop his run game, you have to watch out for his ability to catch, to pass as well. He had nine receptions in the Panthers week one game. So he's just multi-threat there for the Panthers, and you have to take away one of those threats that they have. So the run defense is going to be huge in this game Sunday. Kamara versus McCaffrey. What a running back matchup. However, the passing game is where I look to for the Saints because Michael Thomas, not part of this team right now. He is inactive. Who's that wide receiver you see stepping up for the New Orleans Saints? It's been really fun to watch. Marquez Callaway has been great in that role. And then we had a tight end, Jawan Johnson, who was a former wide receiver, moved into the tight end role, but he's a big body out there. He can really stretch, and he made some great catches against Green Bay. Two touchdown uh, catches there for him. And so you have multiple threats there on the wide receiver side. And then they just re-signed Kenny Stills, who is so fast. He can create that separation between the defense and really give another good option for Jameis to throw to downfield. Aaron, when you look at Jameis Winston taking that next step, I'm sure Sean has talked about the evolution of his game. From your opinion, what do you want to see out of Jameis to recreate that success he had week number one, now in week two against the Panthers? Yeah, I mean, I think for both squads, it's can you repeat what you did in game one? Is that really who these teams are going to be? We'd have two new quarterbacks in Sam Darnold and Jameis Winston taking over teams two of 15 in the league this season. It's crazy. It's the second most all-time where we have new quarterbacks at the helm. But for Winston to continue to progress, he's got to continue to be calm and collected in the pocket and make sure that he's not rushing or making bad decisions there. 
this week it's going to be different as a lot of offensive coaches have not been able to work with the team due to COVID. Luckily for Jameis, the quarterback's coach is not one of those guys. So he's going to be able to keep that relationship going, kind of keep the same person in his head telling him what to do. So hopefully he just continues to kind of perform as he did in game one. Aaron Summers, the Saints and Pelicans reporter. That will be coming up a little bit later in the season. But Aaron Summers, catcher at Aaron E. Summers on Twitter. Thanks for joining us today, and good luck to those Saints this weekend. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. And happy birthday. I I didn't tell you yesterday because I knew (laughs) I'd see you today. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Aaron. Coming up next, we are going to talk college football. Stay right here on The Grid, Sirius XM, Channel 204, the Sports Grid Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. On the morning after on Sports Grid, it is Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Make sure to check us out on social media. We are on Sports Grid and Sports Grid TV, two different handles on our Twitter. You can go and find any of the early lines that we're going to be posting for edges that we see, in addition to anything that you may have missed from our shows. Now we're going to talk college football. It is the Penn State Nittany Lions in a whiteout against SEC's Auburn. And this line is all over the place. It sounds like this should rhyme by us saying this. Primetime moving lines. Right, Ben? It feels like it should mm. rhyme. Saying primetime moving was, lines. But yeah. I guess lines, lines. Okay, we're not having tequila. Uh, Auburn Penn State odds. Penn State minus five and a half. It went down to four and a half. Was even at minus six and a half. How do you feel about those Nittany Lions this weekend? Yeah, a lot of steam on this game, really, in the last 48 hours. When it opened up at 5.5 at Penn State, I didn't think it was a big enough number. Even when it got up to 6.5 earlier this week, still didn't think it was a big enough number in favor of the Nittany Lions, still within that key number of 7. And then yesterday, about 24 hours ago, it dropped all the way to 4.5, and and I was like, what is happening right now with this line between Penn State and Auburn? Now it's back up to 5.5, and again, I will say the same thing. I do not think it is a big enough number in favor of Penn State. Penn State will not only cover this number, Ariel, they are going to win this game by double digits against Auburn. Let's start again with the home road splits for Auburn's quarterback, Bo Nix. Last year, in 2020, there was a drastic drop-off in production for Bo Nix in road games versus home games. A 57% completion percentage on the road last year compared to over 65% at home at Jordan-Hare. He also threw for four touchdowns to a six interception split on the road he had eight touchdowns and only one pick in home games last year for the Auburn Tigers he goes on the road to a very raucous environment the first whiteout game in primetime we have had in over two years for Penn State and I know there's a little bit of talk out there about the future head coach of USC and could James Franklin be interested he has not necessarily put those rumors to bed by any means, but I do not think the Nittany Lions will be distracted by that. And I rely on that defense under defensive coordinator in Brent Pry. They have allowed their two opponents to score an average of 11 and a half points per game. That is the 13th best scoring defense 
in the country as it stands. Focus on that linebacking core for Penn State once again. Jesse Lucchetta, Brandon Smith, and my guy, the playmaker of them all, Ellis Brooks, against an Auburn offense that if they can slow down the run game and Tanks Bigsby, which I expect them to do. Tank Bigsby, a really good running back for Auburn, but I expect him to be slowed. You make Bo Nix beat you on the road. I don't think that happens. Penn State has also forced five takeaways already this year. Bo Nix prone to throwing interceptions on the road. I think Penn State, again, not only covers, but wins by double digits, Ariel. It's going to be a great day for one of your kind of alma maters in the Penn State Nittany Lions. <laughs> I'm a half alma mater kind of girl. One of yeah. e- I, Two years each. It's fine. I do want to ask you about this total. When I was going through my pool play and the pool plays that I do, you have to choose the exact finishing total. You believe this game is going under the total of, what, 51 and a half, I think you said that? Why? I think it goes under because I rely on Penn State's defense. I'm not sure Auburn is going to put up all that many points. Again, on the road with Bo Nix until he proves me wrong. I'm going to go back to some sample sizes from last year. Three points against Georgia. A very good defense on the road. Penn State's defense is very, very good. Are they quite Georgia level? Maybe not. But they are very, very good so far this year. That front seven for Brent Pry and the Nittany Lions is incredible. Look at Mustafer on that front line as well for the Penn State Nittany Lions. So I think the defense limits what Auburn does offensively. I still have my questions on the other side about Sean Clifford at the helm of this offense under Mike Yurcich. So I'm not sure Penn State will score all that much, but I gave you my score prediction for this when we were talking about it in reflection of your pool. I think Penn State wins 27-14. to Again, a double-digit victory. That would only be a final score of 41 combined points. There's another game that's going on tonight, and I'm really intrigued by it because this is a team going up against another one that I've been fading, and I actually like the under on their win total on the season. That's the Louisville Cardinals. Louisville's the second least experienced team returning in the ACC this year up against UCF, who has had very has had a lot of success as a program. With UCF going to Louisville today, how much could you see the Golden Knights covering the spread? I could see them covering the spread, but more than anything, I look at that total. 66 and a half, up two full points from where it opened at 64 and a half. I think we are going over tonight. It's the same way I really felt about Louisville season opener against Ole Miss. That total was 74 and a half. We got close there in the fourth quarter. That game ending at 67. UCF so far this year, 1-0-1 to the over with one push and their season opener against Boise State. They finished 36-31. They won that game a total of 67, pushing the pregame number of 67. But UCF is averaging 622 yards of total offense so far this year through two games. So there is going to be points tonight. And I know UCF's most recent game was against an FCS opponent, as was the case for Louisville last week against Eastern Kentucky. But still, I think UCF is able to score a lot of points against a bad Louisville defense that has holes all over the place. Dylan Gabriel and the Knights are going to be putting up the score. And I think Louisville does enough to add to that scoring. UCF has averaged 49.5 points per game so far this year. Louisville just under 28. Last year, Central Florida was the seventh best scoring offense in the country at over 42 points a game. Louisville averaged nearly 30 points a game. So again, there will be points to be had in Louisville, Kentucky tonight between the Cardinals and the Knights. I like the over, but get in now. It's already been steamed up. 
from 64 and a half to 66 and a half. I still like it right now. If it breaks and goes to 67 and a half, maybe even 68 and a half by the time we get to kick, you have missed your best number. You have missed your value. I like the over tonight between UCF and Louisville. Part of a great Friday night slate area in college football, by the way. I love this game. Very appealing. Also a Big Ten game between Maryland and Illinois. The Terps only a seven and a half point road favorite against Illinois. For our boss, Greg Sussman, put some respect on the Terrapins. Look at their team total as well against the shaky Illinois defense. Yeah, you know me. I don't bet Maryland. Hmm, bye. I, I have actually yeah. really mean words to say about the Terps, so I'm just not going to say them, whoa, and I'm going to move don't on. Don't do it. Don't I'm do not. It. I'm not. I'm not saying it. UCF, by the way, I do like them to cover this spread against Louisville. Louisville, when they played a legitimate team in week one in Ole Miss, they lost 43-24. Again, experience versus inexperience, and I'm going to take the experience. And another game that you're looking at, you like to put your Big Ten Ben hat on, and you're going to this Indiana-Cincinnati game. Why do you like this matchup between an AAC and a Big Ten, rap, well, Big Ten matchup? Well, I think it's a very, very big opportunity for the Cincinnati Bearcats, ranked number eight in the country, but still with very long odds to make the college football college football playoff. As those were updated this week and the latest numbers came out, Cincy 16 to one to make the CFP, despite being the eighth ranked team in the country and looking like they are on the verge of going unbeaten this year. This is a big opportunity for them. On the road in Bloomington tomorrow, part of that early slate, a noon kickoff. It's on ESPN. It's a big opportunity in front of a large audience for Cincinnati to show the country what they are made of as a football program this year if they do have their sights set on possibly making a run to the college football playoff. It's also a very interesting number. The line actually opened at Cincinnati, only being favored by a field goal. It has moved up by the hook. The total has come down by a point and a half, now at 49 and a half on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Listen, everybody knows I love Indiana, but I don't get this line. I don't think it's large enough in favor of Cincinnati. I know it's a road game in Bloomington, but still, since he's a really good team, I think people look at what happened last week against Murray State, specifically in that first half, and maybe think the Bearcats are not as good as we might have thought they were entering the year. But yeah, it was tied 7-7 at the break against Murray State. Sure, since he only put up 78 yards of total offense in that first half, but they finished with 391 yards of total offense and posted 35 points in the second half to win 42-17. to When you look at Cincinnati's quarterback in Desmond Ritter, 34-47 so far this year, 538 yards and six touchdowns. He has the sixth shortest odds to win the Heisman Trophy at the moment at 20 to one. Also, Luke Fickle's defense anytime for Cincinnati is going to be good. And if they can get Indiana to turn the ball over, which Michael Penix Jr. did a ton against Iowa, throwing three interceptions that were returned, two of them to the house. He was 14 of 31 in that game against Iowa for only 156 yards. He needs to be better. Indiana's defense is very, very good. The fourth best total defense in the Big Ten Conference for the second best scoring defense so far in the Big Ten Conference out of 14 teams. But I think Cincinnati can cover this number on the road as much as that pains me to say. I've got one more game, and that's going over to this Memphis and Mississippi State game. Shout out to Chris Thurston, mm. CT Betts. He gave this one out, and he absolutely loves this bet. He is going with Memphis this weekend, and he likes Memphis because, first off, Mississippi State's in a look-ahead situation. They've got to go up against LSU next week. Also, Memphis, there was a really good stat he gave out about the last time Memphis was a home dog against an SEC opponent. They ended up beating Ole Miss by 13. Uh, it was a 
Now I can't read his last line. I told him I could. Oh, it was a 10-point duck. There it was. Uh, 10-point duck. He's handwriting this, Chris, by the way. Handwriting this on his (laughs) steering wheel, which I gave him so much credit for. It looks pretty good. However, he's on Memphis, and that's that's what matters. Ben, how much do you agree with this Memphis pick? Memphis plus three and a half. The home underdog against the Bulldogs and Mike Leach and the Pirate ship. Maybe a sprinkle if you really feel strongly, CT bets, about Memphis on that money line, winning that game outright. Speaking of sprinkles, it did concern me a little bit when John Sheeran said the only game he's paying attention to is Notre Dame minus seven and a half hosting Purdue this weekend because yesterday on the program, I said Purdue plus 225 to go into South Bend and win outright controversy around this game Ariel because the drum the big drum of the Boilermakers might not make an appearance in South Bend on Saturday Notre Dame says it can't fit through the visiting locker room and the hallway and they won't allow it through the home now it's for the drum for Purdue I still like the sprinkle plus 225 I love how catty this is. It makes me want to watch the game just to see how hard they play for the drum. Coming up next, Sports Grid Zone Mark Zeno to talk some more college football, especially the SEC. Stay on the grid. Now to spot a sports gaming loser. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. On the morning after on Sports Grid, it is Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Joining us now, Sports Grid Zone, Mark Zeno to talk some college football, specifically in the SEC. Mark, before I get started on the game by game, let's talk about some trends you've noticed early on. It's been about three weeks now of college football season. What has caught your eye when it comes to trends in the SEC? Well, I think we're seeing a level of defense from two teams that is uh, the best in the country in Alabama and Georgia. And I think we're also seeing that other teams are scoring at a much higher rate than we expected. Teams like Arkansas, uh, even Kentucky and Missouri are starting to put up points. So you're looking at a conference that's got sort of a gap when these two opponents meet each other. You get the high-level defenses versus the high-level offenses. Now, they haven't met each other yet on the field. But as we watch the SEC play start to go in the fold here, we'll start to see what that looks like a little bit and which you know which side of the ball wins out. I would trust those two defenses more than any of those other offenses, and we'll find out a little bit more uh, about Alabama's defense this week when they take on Florida. One of the most explosive offenses in the SEC. Your guys down there in Oxford, Mississippi, the running Rebels of Ole Miss, a 14-and-a-half-point favorite against the Tulane Green Wave this week, Mark. How do you feel about this game? All right, so you know I've been on Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss overs. A beefy, beefy total at 76. Probably a little bit rich for me to stay away from. I lean on the over still because Tulane is a team that can score. They showed you that they could do it a little bit against Oklahoma in the opener, uh, against an Oklahoma team that doesn't play a ton of defense, neither does Ole Miss for that matter. So I'd lean on the over. But the play here this week, guys, is to lay the 14.5. Look, I've, I've dissected Ole Miss a thousand different ways, and the way I look at it is when that total gets too big, I look at the team total, and then I just look at the spread. I'm getting two touchdowns here. If you, uh, Giving two touchdowns here. If you're that uncomfortable with the hook, 
buy it down to 14. I'm not necessarily worried about it. The real question is when it comes to the over every week is if is is, is Kiffin going to put up a 50 burger? If he is, they're going to win by 20, 50 to 30, and the over is going to come in. But it's the real thing that we saw back in week one when Kiffin wasn't coaching. They got to 43. They missed a total by about four or five points, I think it was, uh, in week one, and they didn't hit the over. They hit 50 last week. No sweat for the over whatsoever. So really, are you questioning whether Lane Kiffin can get to the over in this game? The only reason I would hesitate is because there might not be enough time because Tulane can score. So they're going to eat up some of the clock on their own when they possess the ball, and that may prevent an extra possession or two from Old Miss. But I don't have any reservations about Old Miss covering in this game. And, in fact, I'm going to put Old Miss uh, in with another game as part of a trifecta, a straight-up, a tease, and a parlay because I'm that confident in it. Ooh. Ooh, I love it. I love the confidence level here. Mark, I'm going into another game in the SEC, Alabama-Florida. Alabama laying 14.5 points on the road at Florida, total 59.5. How do you see this game playing out? Well, look, if you look back to last year, it was Kyle Trask, it was Kadarius Tony, and Kyle Pitts, and they put up a 40-burger on Alabama and still lost. Like The only way to beat Alabama is to prevent them from scoring 30 and you score 40. You're not probably not going to do both. So in order to keep the game close, you're going to have to do one of those two. And for Florida, it's likely that they're going to be able to score closer to 40. However, against this Bama defense, as I mentioned a moment ago, I really don't think that's likely. Why? Because Kadarius Tony, Kyle Pitts, and Kyle Trask are no longer on that football team. Yes, they still have the ability to score, but this is a different level Bama defense than that was last year. I mean, this is a game right now. Nick Saban, again, the trend is there, and whether you like him or not, the dude covers like 65% of the time against Power 5 teams and he's a double-digit opponent, a double-digit favorite, rather. So from that standpoint, I'll continue to rely on that. They're just going to eventually – this game may be close for a half, guys, but Bama's going to choke them out. And it may even play a lot out like the Miami game did where Bama jumps out early on. All you have to do is pray that they hold on to it. It's less than 20. Again, it's 14 and a half. It's the same exact number as the Old Miss game, and that's the trifecta, guys. I'd take them Bama and Old Miss straight up. I'd tease them both. I'd parlay them both. I think these are two games right now that are blowout set up in the SEC this week, and uh, I'm, I'm really liking both Ole Miss and Alabama. I know Alabama did not have the toughest opponent a week ago, but they still have the fifth best scoring margin in the country right now, averaging 31 points per game in their wins. That's their victory margin. So, yeah, 14.5 might seem lofty, especially for the road team, but the reigning national champs, can put up some points. So, Mark, my question is about the total for that game because at 59.5, knowing that Florida can score as well, I think you're actually getting a buy-low opportunity for an over. How do you feel about the total between the Tide and the Gators? Okay, Again, I hearken back to week one in Miami, or against Miami, rather, in that same sort of similar situation where that defense just choked out Miami's offense and they weren't able to hold up there into the bargain as far as hitting the over. Don't have many reservations about Bama getting a 40. Do have some reservations about Florida eclipsing 20 in this game, which sort of scares me off the total a little bit. But if you're confident enough that Florida can get to that level, if you're confident enough that Florida is going to put up three touchdowns in this game and Bama can still cover winning, you know, 50 to or 40 to 21 in that sense, then, yeah, your over is, is a good play. It's just something I'm going to stay off of. I trust Alabama. I trust Nick Saban in that defense more than I do necessarily uh, a Florida offense that still is a little bit unproven to this point. Michigan State, Miami, Miami minus six and a half, total 56 and a half. Michigan State, how much of a live dog are they? 
Barking, barking, barking loud. Uh, the Big Ten dogs are barking this week a lot. There's a couple other ones real quick. Look, I do have a lot of faith in Michigan. This says more about Miami and the way they've played through the beginning of the season than it necessarily does about Michigan State. We're waiting for De'Ara King to have that breakout game where he just controls everything and he looks like the Heisman candidate that many people thought that he was. So I think that's a little bit of a reflection there. Um, but getting the six points, absolutely, I'd take Michigan State. Do I think they're a live dog to win outright? Absolutely do. But them along with Purdue and even Illinois – um, are, are sort of the dogs in the Big Ten this week that I think you really should take some take a look at across the board. Purdue could win the game outright. If, if their defense can can slow down a, a Notre Dame offense that's still figuring itself out uh, and hasn't scored a ton of points, they've struggled offensively all around. Heck, they get pushed last week to the limit. Um, this is a spot where Purdue, even though it's in South Bend, could, could have a chance to go out and beat a Notre Dame team. And Illinois will be the first tough test for the Maryland Terrapins. Uh, I don't like Maryland laying seven and a half. I don't like them laying seven as much. But I would look at, guys, uh, Maryland's team total of 34 and a half. Little Tua is absolutely going to put up points in this offense. It's a big play offense. They're going to chuck the ball deep. Mike Loxley has this offense humming. I don't know if they'll cover. I do lean on the over. think it'll be a higher scoring affair. And as well, uh, I'll look at Maryland's team total over 34 and a half in the FanDuel Sportsbook as a solid play. Absolutely love that call, Mark Zeno. Leah Tungabailoa this year, 48 to 63, 606 passing yards and six touchdowns. This Maryland offense can be quite explosive against an Illinois defense that is still figuring some things out. I love the team total for the Terps tonight, over 34 and a half. So, Mark, another game that you have featured in your card this week, a Big Ten team, Michigan taking on Northern Illinois. Michigan, a 26 and a half point favorite. But you're looking at that total. What's the play there? It's the under. I mean, Michigan's defense has been outstanding the first two weeks. They give up just 2.6 yards per play on the ground. They give up just nine yards per play through the air. They have choked out both opponents uh, and two good ones decently uh, in the first two weeks and only given up a total of 24 points. They've only given up 18 first downs in the first two weeks, guys. That's nine per game. NIU is not exactly an offense that's built to score. Look, I mean, they scored 22 on Georgia Tech, right, and they win that game. They put up some big points last week in a game against Wyoming that nobody really, you know, uh, really watched or paid attention to. Plus, it's, you know, Wyoming. It's not exactly a bastion of defense. But I just think in this game, NIU is not going to be able to run the ball. They're going to be forced to throw. That's going to lead them into some, you know, pass rush situations where Michigan's defense can pin, pin their ears back. And if you look at the team, to the, the, the totals at where it is, you know, the question is, can Michigan offensively get to 35, 37 points, you know, and win this thing by only giving up 10 or less? I think that's the formula for success here for the under in this game. They can get to 40, hold NIU to 10 or under, and the under should should easily come in uh, at the total that they're at, 54 and a half, maybe 55. I've seen some uh, some numbers dropping, guys, on the on the under in this case where it goes down to 54 so just shop around make sure you get a good price but i think uh, even if you don't like the game total look at the first half under as well for a slow start offensively for both teams i'm going to switch over to the nfl mark zeno from here on sports grid joining us you catch money in game live on weekends here on the grid but mark going to the nfl you like the carolina panthers and taking the points this weekend why do you like them plus three and a half um, is it fair to quote our friend in the business, Ariel, and look at New Orleans as a chalky road weasel favorite in this game? Uh, I know that <laughs> reference has been made before, but it's worth making again. So, uh, but look, there, there may be some overvaluing on New Orleans here. Are they really that good? Maybe not. I don't think so. Uh, Carolina 
is better than what they showed in week one. I think there's a feeling out process here, but this is just a spot that that Carolina at home um, getting New Orleans, who theoretically is playing their second straight road game, even though last week was home. This is a road game for them, a true road game. Carolina will have home field advantage. Sam Donald played well in week one. Uh, they'll open it up a little bit more. And I, I love the Carolina offense. They're going to continue to confuse teams. Christian McCaffrey and all the weapons that, that Sam Donald has at his disposal that he never had in New York. And as the season gets along, they're going to continue to be better. I'm getting the hook. I'm getting the home, the home dog. I don't like to lay points on the road within the division. I'll certainly take Carolina here in a spot where, honestly, guys, it wouldn't surprise me um, if you get a good press on the money line if they win the thing outright. Mark, another game that you're looking at, one of the larger spreads that is not in double figures this week across the NFL slate, the Tennessee Titans, a five-and-a-half-point road underdog visiting the Pacific Northwest and the Seattle Seahawks. What's the approach for this game? Seattle is always a team, at least under Pete Carroll, that seems to regress to the mean more than they should given the talent level and the coaching level of this team. They have an easy blowout in week one, a win that they weren't really tested. Now, part of the reason is Frank Reich got away from what makes Frank Reich really good. He only had six runs in the first half that were not in the red zone. Mm. That's not Frank Reich style. They got away from the run quickly, found themselves down, and then you get into a situation where, uh, you know, Seattle could sort of just coast. In this game against Tennessee, one, I look at the coach Mike Vrabel from the Belichick tree. He's not going to go out there and get smoked two weeks in a row. So even if they don't win the game, Five and a half points and continuing to move in the favor of Seattle is just way too much. I expect Tennessee to play a much better game. They're another team that has to get back to establishing the run. Look for a heavy dose of Derrick Henry. Look for a slower style of play in this game. Seattle, will, if they're smart, Pete Carroll will try to play up-tempo and throw the ball early and often against a Tennessee defense that's extremely susceptible through the air. But if they rely on Chris Carson like they did in week one, it almost benefits Tennessee in this spot so i'm curious to see how the game plan flows out but this is just too many points after a a, a win on the road for a seattle team that sort of um you know it still has some offensive question marks i, I just think tennessee is about in a prime position for a bounce back people almost like you know forgot that they were uh, afc championship caliber last year uh because of what we've seen there's some recency bias here against it i think that feeds into the line a little bit but i'll take mike Vrabel and the tennessee titans here getting way too many points in the game not 100 percent certain that they'll win the thing guys but i certainly think it's a field goal game at the end of it mark only about a minute left you've given us a ton of picks a ton of analysis for college football and nfl drum roll best bet what is it I mean, I am going to stick with my old Miss Rebels, man. I mean, I can't go away from mm. Lane Kiffin. I'm hooked in. I'm, I'm in love with the guy. I, I'm bought in all the way. Lay the 14 and a half with old Miss against Tulane. Sit back, watch the points come, crack a cold one, and cash your ticket at the end. I love it. I did choose it for one of my pool plays, so I am excited, and maybe I'll actually go bet it if I get to a gas station today. Mark Zeno, thank you so much for joining us. Make sure to catch him on In Game Live this weekend. When are you going to be on In Game Live this weekend? What time? Uh, I'm actually off this weekend, guys. I'm on military duty this weekend, but I'll be back next Saturday night, 6 to 10 p.m. All right, country first. We thank you for your service. Thank <laughs> you, Mark. And coming up next, Ben and I are going to close out hour number two here on the morning after on Sports Grid. I think we're doing buy or sell. I always guess on this segment. Is it buy or sell? All right, it's buy or sell. It is. I don't know what we're buying or selling, but Ben's going to decide what it is to buy or sell at the commercial. <laughs> oh, the jack cap. Oh, man, you don't want to <laughs> miss it. Stay on the grid. <laughs> 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Closing out hour two on the morning after on Sports Grid. It is Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Let's get now to our segment Buy or Sell. Our backup producer slash former intern, Jack Weinberger, he, he was supposed to, he, we gave him a whole week to do this homework assignment. He was supposed yeah. to give us a handicap for the Chiefs and Ravens game. I take the day off yesterday, and I guess, you know, when the principal's out of school, they decide they could be a little rebellious. So he decides to change the cap. Ben Stevens, are we buying or selling the Jack Weinberger cap? Because I'm already, already selling it. And I'm like the fun history teacher that has like elbow pads on my cool blazer from Jay Crew. So I let Jack just do whatever he wanted to. We are buying the Jack Weinberger cap of the weekend. He did not talk about the magic that will happen in Baltimore with Patrick Mahomes' birthday versus Ariel Epstein's birthday, who will be in attendance in Baltimore. Instead, he went to where he knows best, and that's college football. And Jack so far in his caps is 2-1 and one this year. Here is the cap for this weekend's game between BYU and Arizona State. The Cougars, a three-and-a-half-point underdog at home in Provo this weekend. Jack said that the third month or the third Saturday of September every year is National Batman Day. This third Saturday, September 18th, is National Batman Day. As we know, one of the most beloved superheroes in all of comic book history, Batman fights most of his crime at night. This game is in primetime out in Provo tomorrow night. Jack says... That no team named the Sun Devils, the Arizona State Sun Devils, should prevail at night on Batman Day. Thus, the BYU Cougars are going to win, not just cover as underdogs, but win outright. So the Jack Weinberger cap of the weekend is a money line sprinkle on the BYU Cougars because of National Batman Day. And no evil shall prevail at night. No devil shall prevail on a Saturday night against the BYU Cougars. Wow. Okay, I've got to give it to you, Jack. That was pretty good. Really impressive stuff by Jack Weinberger. Great cap. We're going BYU Moneyline. Uh, I'm speechless. Um, Go Ravens is really where I'm going with that. We have hour number three of our show coming up next. We're going to talk all NFL here on Football Fridays. Hour number three is our NFL hour. So stay right here on the grid. Winning isn't a mystery. It requires strategy, a plan, and a few hours a week. 